one of those four, John Bucci-Gras, joins us right now. Hello, Bucci. Dale, there's hundreds of people at ESPN who love hockey. Just none of them who hundreds. say anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> four of you who talk about it. All behind the scenes. Yeah. Hundreds yeah. of yeah. uh, well, that sucked last night, Bucci. I, it's not that the Bruins lost. That didn't shock me. Their performance last night did shock me. Yeah, they came out a bit tight, although they certainly had plenty of you know nice chances in the first period. I thought the crowd was uh, not in a cocky mood, but in a confident mood. And the players certainly came out with, uh, with, with, with good jump. I wouldn't say their chances were awesome, awesome chances. They were good. Um, but, yeah, you know, Bennington made a couple of huge saves, kept them in the game. We talked about it all postseason. Scoring first is so important, especially when you play a team like St. Louis because they just go into a New Jersey Devil shell, and it's going to be really hard to come back. And so uh, a couple players were a little tight. Really interesting. You know, Jake DeBrusque really disappeared in the postseason. He didn't take advantage of kind of the rebirth of David Krejci who uh, played 105 games this year, more than any other player on the Bruins uh, this year. Coyle also played 105. That we lost him. Was oh, set, that, that lack of combined, really, uh, scoring in five on five. Let's try to... Guys, I'm going to... I'm uh, Lucy, I'm going to put, him on, put him on hold. Try to give him a better signal there. We uh, we were losing him there real quick. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, Jake DeBrus... Because like, there's a couple things you can do. You can look at you know the seven games in the final, but then also the entire postseason run. And... Jake DeBrusque, who was good last postseason. So it's not like one of these guys where, like, David Price has just had this thing where you get to the playoffs and it's just a real struggle for him. Jake DeBrusque, I remember being pretty solid a year ago. And then really... He had a real good playoff. A good playoff and a good regular season. And then now you get into the this postseason. was not nowhere to be found. All right, Bucci, you sounded like you were underwater on the Cape there for a moment. <laughs> so we've reconnected now. Yeah, I, I live out here in the country in Connecticut. Uh, <laughs> Population 9,000, but I'm now outside the town limits into more civilization, and we should be good. <laughs> All right. but yeah, 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 but yeah, Jake DeBrusque had, what, one goal in each series. Yeah. He really, it was amazing how he disappeared. I just, it, it, and he doesn't really play a heavy game, so when he doesn't score, uh, he's, he, you, you don't see him. And, yeah. uh, and David Krejci, I thought, was really good this year, and they weren't able to take advantage of him. He didn't have a lot to, to play with. Did the better team win the series? Oh no, no, yeah. no, no, no way! Yeah, no GM in the league would trade the Bruins personnel for the Blues personnel. Um, you know, it's a lost opportunity. This has to hurt Cam Neely and the Bruins organization a lot. Everything was there; it set up for them perfectly from beginning to end to play the young Maple Leaf team, to get the unproven Blue Jacket team, to avoid Tampa Bay, to get the unproven Carolina team. Um, and then to get a St. Louis Blue team that just doesn't have very many dangerous players, that has a rookie goaltender. Um, the Bruins organization just must be nauseous, throwing up in their mouths today, because this is a banner that got away from them. Uh, it should be up there. Um, yeah, I grew up with the Bruins in the 70s and, and listening to Bob Wilson on the radio, and you play the Canadians, and you, you knew what was going to happen. You just weren't going to beat them. And then you had to deal with Bernie Perrant and the Flyers for a year. It was, this was different. You're not playing Kenny Dryden and Bernie Perrant and uh, you know the great Flyer teams and the great Canadian teams. This was a team they should have beat, and I, I bet they're just sick. This does not apply to last night. I thought St. Louis played great last night. I had no issues with how they played last night. In the previous six games of this series, did you think they were dirty? 
I mean, that, they're gonna they're gonna try to run guys through the end boards. And, you know, that's how, that's how they're built. And we like we talked about the Bruins really aren't. They don't have those. You know, Jake DeBrus could play that way. He's big enough, but he doesn't. Um, obviously, Marchand and Bergeron can't play that way. They're 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 older. They can't afford. It, it takes a lot out of you. And so the, you know, the Bruins, you know, certainly the fourth line did what they could, Corrali physical, Nordstrom physical as much as they can. But, you know, again, in the third line, not real physical. They can at times, but it's just not really their personality. That's how the Blues are built. They have to pound people through the end boards, and occasionally they're going to they're gonna hurt people. What was your assessment of Tukarask just last night? Because I thought going into last night, he was the best player in the, in the playoffs. Was certainly the, probably the leader in the clubhouse for the Con Smythe. He allows four goals, but again, you could go through each one of them and, and try to realize, you know, pick out which one was his fault, which ones weren't. But how would you assess his game seven performance? I actually thought he was a hair tight, just a hair. But overall, you know, he, when you see how his concentration level, like any, any kind of pucks around the net how he guards the post so well. You don't get those weird deflection goals off his leg and stuff uh, on wraparound attempts. He's really attentive and, and, and really into the game. Obviously, the first tip by O'Reilly might have been an overreaction. It was a 15-foot tip. He could have maybe just calmly gotten the butterfly like we saw him against Carolina. So I think he might have been a bit jumpy, and that's just, you know, and just that's reacting quicker. And when, when you're throwing a changeup like he was – um, then he, he get the five hole opens way up, and we saw him in the past. It didn't matter whether it was fastball, changeup, curveball, slider, spitball. He was stopping everything. He was so calm and into it. And so he might have been just a little bit jumpy in terms of really trying to play the perfect game. And he probably felt like he had to. And in the end, he did. We're talking to John Butchagross of ESPN. I'm to this moment, baffled by the play of the Bruins' top line in the Stanley Cup final, I can't explain it. I don't know what it was. I don't want to. I don't want to deny credit to the Blues for some of that, but boy, they disappeared when it mattered most. I thought they were moving well, though. I thought they were digging. I thought you know Pasternak was again another bizarre up and down player. Had a quick burst against Columbus, but other than that, he was overpassing. Wasn't really looking to shoot. I thought it was kind of odd the way he played a lot this postseason. But Marchand, you know, he'd come into the zone and he would stop and he would change direction. He kept digging. He kept trying. He kept anticipating. He kept, you know, he was – I, I would have liked to have seen a little more pesky last night and chirpy and uh, he was, you know, very calm. And maybe, you know, maybe that's the way they were coached for a game seven. You know, stay, stay away from that stuff. But sometimes he kind of disappears like that. You know, I miss him against breaking Cam Atkinson's stick and doing stuff like that to get him going. You didn't see a lot of that. Um, and Bergeron had some chances. He's got such a great shot, and he was trying to find his spots. I know he said his groin was really bothering him, but you know, this time of year, everybody gets shot up and, and numbed, and Brian O'Reilly had a cracked rib. So it's pretty even in that regard. But you know, when I watched them, I really felt they had lots of chances. And the whole, and the whole season was set up for him last night. The whole nine-month season, it's the longest season of the four big sports. It takes nine months to, to birth a trophy, and, uh, and it was all there for them at home uh, against a team they were better than, and it, it just didn't happen, and it just it makes you barf. I mean, the, the, those top three guys that you talked about, all three of them were 30-goal scorers in the regular season, but we also saw last year they got shut down by Tampa and they lost. This year they were really bad five-on-five five in this series. They did score some power play goals, but they were all minus players. They all got really held down based on their expectation. 
Would looking ahead to next year, obviously they're all on the roster and you want them all on the roster, but would you consider jumbling those guys up, maybe trying to find a new line? Possible. Obviously they're going to have to approach and, and think about their bottom nine wingers. Uh, you know, DeBrusque certainly is a 30-goal pace in the regular season. I assume you know, he's young and, and they'll, they'll come back with him and, and obviously hope he can provide that second-line scoring. But as the playoffs wore on, it was obvious you could throw everything at the Bruins' top line. You, you didn't have to fear really too much the rest of them. And, and, of course, when that happened, we saw Coyle. We saw other people kind of burst into the scene and take advantage of maybe some good matchups for those lines because they were focused so much on the top three. But, you know, Bergeron is close to 34, and, and, and Marchand's over 30. Uh, they're not as quick as they were, so these long seasons will wear them down a bit. But I still thought they looked fine. And, and, I, and I, 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 every time they were out there, I felt they were pressuring for the most part and had a chance to score. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's a bummer. And now, obviously, they have some offseason questions. Do they trade Tory Krug? Do they extend Tory Krug? Um, you know, how, how are they going to manage this roster going forward? How they like the depth organizationally? And overall, though, but they're in a good position. They're still in a good position to come back next year and obviously make the playoffs. Can they make a run? These things are magic, as we know. They don't happen all the time, and you, and you play and live off emotion. To that point, this has the feel to me, uh, in the reverse order, of the Bruins going into Vancouver and knocking off the Canucks in Game 7 for a Stanley Cup championship in 2011. Now, the Canucks just fell off the face of the earth following that. How do the Bruins make sure that doesn't happen to them? Yeah, well, they got a goalie in his prime. Should be ready for a good four- to five-year run. He's completely arrived, I think, despite this year's disappointment. Their defense is so good and young. McAvoy is an absolute number one stud who's only going to get better. Carlo's that really good $4 million-a-year guy. Brian Dumoulin, uh, defenseman, will never cost you that much because he doesn't score anything. But And so my question is, do, again, do you extend Tory Krug? It's probably going to cost you seven, seven and a half. Can you stomach that? Do you look to trade him and, and, and get a and get a, some sort of offensive uh, stud, especially at the center position? As Bergeron again is thirty four, they need that next franchise center. Um, these are the questions they're going to deal with. Cap wise, they're in pretty good shape. Um, so going forward, I, I just think they're in a good position. It's just again, Krejci's older, Bergeron's older. It's trying to find that center, that real young stud center is going to be, which will bridge what you talked about falling off for five, seven, eight years, or can they continue this championship kind of chance? You know, three finals in a decade is really good, uh, but it's rare. And so th- to, to make that transmi- uh, transition you talked about, Dale, is they're going to have to try to identify that big-time young center because Krejci and, and Bergeron, or let's face it, they're, they're on the tail end. Final question before we let you go. What did you think of the efforts of the 42-year-old captain playing the final three games with a fractured jaw? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a legend. Obviously, he's going to the Hall of Fame. He'll get his number retired. Uh, he's, he's a Boston legend. Last night would have really even elevated it even more. It, it would have made him just a mythical, giant Boston sports figure. He's still, a, obviously, still a very good one with the one cup and the way his free agent signing really changed the organization for a decade. Uh, one of the most important uh, moves in Bruins history, what he did to set up those three final appearances. But, man, if they would have won last night, it would have been just a whole other level of Zdena Chara, uh, you know, just mythical, legendary figure in Boston sports. Still great, but, man, if he could have closed it out. But I thought he was fine. He was good. He was not a liability. 
for the most part. I think he'll come back and play one more year next year and, and then hang him up. Bucci, it's always fun to talk hockey with you. One of the four people at ESPN mm-hmm. who will actually talk about it. We're going to be back in the big game a couple years, fellas. I'm uh, telling that's you. That's what I hear. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, John. I hope. Thanks, boys. Great Thank job, you. as always. See you, Thanks. pal. That's John Bucci-Gras uh, from ESPN joining us.